Hello, and welcome to episode number 192. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook. We're already going to screw this up. This is the episode for the week of Monday, December 1st. Um, we're into the last month of the year. This is crazy. We're just flying along. Happy December. I know. It seems like it was just yesterday that it was last December. Where did the time go? Uh, we're joined this week by a very special guest. We have with us our dear friend, uh, your friend and ours, Dr. Squishy from the Moving Picture Show. Hey, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're in for a treat here. Uh, we haven't had you on for a few weeks, so this will be fun. But before we get started in the fun, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Also, if you haven't signed up for it yet, you should sign up for the best ding hosting on the planet Earth by 4814. You can find them at 48-14.com. Also, uh, finally, tomorrow, Saturday, November 29th, we're recording this on Friday night, uh, is the Giving Grinch Cosplay for Charity event. Since this episode is not going up till Monday morning, you obviously missed it. But you know what? It's not too late. You can still head over to their GoFundMe campaign and donate. This is a great charity to help uh, families in the area who might be uh, in need this time of year. Uh, it's not going to anything horribly huge or whatnot. This isn't so someone can have a 60-inch plasma. Uh, actually, no, they don't make those anymore, do they? No. They, this is not so they can have a 60-inch TV. Uh, this is just so they can have warm meals through the Christmas season. So it's definitely a good cause. Uh, head on over. We'll have the link in our show notes. We don't have any feedback uh, for this episode. So poo on you, listeners. Ooh, that's hurtful. Calling, calling you out. Hope everyone had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Uh, today is special. Uh, again, we're recording this on Friday because it's Zoner's birthday. Thank you. Yes, I am old man and it's honor now. <laughs> yeah, well, you're always old man's honor. Just one year Would old you like man. us to sing to you? No, please don't. My family actually you know? tried to sing to me last night as we were serving up pie at Thanksgiving, well, after Thanksgiving dinner. I told them they should all be ashamed of themselves. It was horrible. <laughs> so horrible. It could have been worse. They could have not had pie. That is true. Right, that is true. There could have been a lack of pie. Thanks for rubbing it in. Yeah. I get this rage message in our, in our hangout last night. Schmitty is in a rage because his family did not have pumpkin pie. Well, according to my wife, they did, but I never saw it. And when I asked for it, they said they didn't have any. So, I don't what know. kind of backwards family are you part of, man? You got to have we enough have, pie. We don't have turkey either. We were really expecting you to go to McDonald's for this meal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think pumpkin pie is overrated. That's just that's me. I'm I'm not a pumpkin pie fan. Pecan uh, pie, that's where it's at. Uh, yeah. Pecan is good. Pumpkin is a waste of valuable stomach real estate. I'm not a big fan of pumpkin pie, but it's 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 so traditional that I can't have turkey dinner without it. It's okay. Yeah. You know, it's also traditional Boston cream pie, and it's far better than anything else. And Wait, oddly what? enough, it's at not from Boston. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's for Thanksgiving. I'm just saying traditional Boston cream pie. It's a tradition. <laughs> it's technically also a cake, but that's why it's better. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> listeners, what are you, what's your favorite pie? Feedback at StolenDroids.com. I'm just going to go on the record right now and say pie is far superior to any cake that you can throw out there. Cake is a delivery device for frosting. Yes. That's all it is. Yes. That is all it is. Pie, on the other hand, is just a mouthful of pure awesome. 
but a, a well-cooked... <laughs> phrasing. A well, We're not doing phrasing anymore. A well-baked cake is better than a poorly baked pie. I'm going to say on, Hang on, say that, say that again. Debatable. What was that? A well-baked cake is better than a poorly baked pie. I'd say a well-made anything is better than a poorly made something else. <laughs> My point is I think that, it's debatable. Yeah. That is the mo- that's the most true statement ever. <laughs> Hashtag truth. <laughs> All right. Well, into our first headline, and it's a doozy. Uh, despite the fact they had previously said that you could only see the teaser trailer for episode Star Wars Episode Seven uh, in theaters, it went online anyway. Uh, well, I should clarify, because at first they said that they were only going to show it in theaters. And then they later on said that it would be on iTunes. And I first saw it on YouTube. So Yeah, I, I was trying to get it to work on iTunes. I was trying to be good, get it to work through iTunes. But apparently I haven't watched a trailer through iTunes in about six years. So I needed to update the iTunes plugin, and it wanted me to re-download QuickTime. And while it was doing that... I checked my favorite news sites and discovered, hey, it's on YouTube. So why don't I just right do now. the easy option? Star Wars I can play it channel. right now. It's, yeah. yeah. And that was the thing. It was through the official Star Wars channel. It's not like somebody just ripped it and stuck it up on you know, Bob's YouTube channel trying to get some traffic. <laughs> now, I wonder if they originally planned on putting it on the internet like this, or if they put it on the internet in response to the fan backlash that they were receiving when they found out that, oh, well, you've got to live in a certain city and go to a certain theater if you want to see this. I think that if Disney slash Star Wars slash whoever this was involved, if they gave one tiny crap about internet fan feedback and whatever, nothing would ever happen. Okay? Well, no, here's the interesting thing here, and uh, you actually talked about this on the Moving Picture Show. Episode 2 just came out, uh, which you can hear right here at StolenDroids.com. Um, or on iTunes or Stitcher.com or wherever your favorite podcasts live. Small plug there. Um, Tiny. But the very first trailer ever launched on the internet was The Phantom Menace. It was the very first one ever on Apple's iTunes movie trailer site. And it basically crashed the internet back in the day when it launched. I remember having to go to my computer, dial up into my ISP get it buffering and then i went to work and came back 10 hours later and actually watched the trailer because that's how long it took to and and what's really weird is the fact i remember it because the trailer started off with that murky gray fog yep and it was the gungans walking through on on their way to war yeah and i and i had no idea how disappointing those particular characters were going to be <laughs> to me in a few months. Like, the rest of it was great, you know, but, but like, ooh, mysterious. Ooh, there's like a swamp. Is this Dagobah? I don't know. What are these creatures? I've never seen these creatures before. I'm excited. No. Um, so <laughs> hey, I think I, it's I old. defend episode one. I would take on anybody in defending episode one. Episode one, sure, but you can't defend the Gungans, you know. Or Jake Lloyd. <laughs> okay. He was six. Right, com- compare him to child actors suck in general. Children are terrible. Haley Joel Osment would have done great as Anakin. No, and he would have seen Haley dead Joel people. Was media- so what's Hayden Christensen's oh, excuse then? He's a wooden <laughs> actor who had no no uh, chemistry with Natalie Portman. And you saw him have no chemistry with Natalie Portman three weeks after everyone saw the first Spider-Man. Remember Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst had electric chemistry. Yes. And then we see Hayden Christensen, a relatively wooden actor, and Natalie Portman, who had nothing to do. 
Yeah. I mean, her, her entire part in all three movies was as a walking womb. She I was mean, just there to produce ba- I, I'm the, sorry, she, the what did she do in that movie, the, any of the three movies, other than have children and, and then die of a broken heart? Apparently. She hit on a nine-year-old. She was 15. That's doable. And hey, when I was nine, I would have hit on Natalie Portman, too. Yes, yes, we've all heard your uh, disturbing stories about the professional. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's my my final today. argument, actually in favor of the prequel trilogy, before we move on to this particular teaser, um, is the fact that Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, has some horrible lines, horrible delivery, horrible acting, and the movie is awesome anyway. Okay? Yes, especially when compared to the Shakespeare that is the Holy Trilogy. Yeah, well, no, I I, really. I love episodes four, five, and six as much as anyone out there. But George Lucas, it's not like '97 rolled around and he forgot how to write dialogue. He could never write dialogue. No, he couldn't. Yeah. and he, he can't have to have either. Harrison. He had Harrison Ford, probably the most charismatic human being, at least on film, apparently in human history, and some unbelievable effects. I mean, we build up the original trilogy so much. I. I'm sorry, it can get off on a bit of a tangent, and that's its own thing right there. But yeah. yeah, so so this teaser is 88 seconds long, and honestly, I think they pack quite a bit into it. I was expecting just the whole, you know, that slow fanfare leading into the long, far, long, long go in a galaxy far, far away. No, they don't even bother with that. But they start the entire teaser with the biggest bombshell to ever, ever strike the Star Wars universe. There's a black stormtrooper. I thought you were just going to say there was a black guy in the movie full stop. I'm not saying his armor was black like a pilot. No, I mean a black guy in Stormtrooper armor. Yeah, that kind of caught me off guard. It's like, wait, is this Lando's kid? He must be a good guy. Okay, there have got to be more than two black people in the entire galaxy. Otherwise, how would they have kept making them? No, I get No, I gotcha. There has to be... There's always two. I'm sorry, guys, we we are way too white for this conversation. I'm just... It's the rule of two. There always has to I be was, two. I was wondering why he was sweating because don't those suits have like air conditioning units or something? He was he was missing the helmet. Oh, okay. There you so go. It doesn't work. And he was in the, the middle helmet. of the. Hey, he looked he was like in the middle he was of the North African on, desert. Yeah, he looked like he was broke down on Tatooine. So you know, maybe yeah. his suit broke down too. Everyone knows though. Immediately, let's analyze this footage. That means he is good though. He's a good guy because he's not a white British dude. If he was a white British dude, he'd actually be bad. <laughs> Not necessarily. You know, we have... Uh, no, no, no. Had if J.J. changes that, that's unforgivable. Well, that Mothma, is the one trope in Star Mothma Wars that British. must stay there the same. Several British in the Rebel Alliance. Mothma was British. Sir Alec Guinness yeah. might have been a tiny bit British. <laughs> a little bit. Well, yes, but my point is that there was no non-white Brits in the Empire. There was some white Brits in the Rebellion... But there were no non-white Brits, no non-white non-Brits in the Empire. That was a somewhat subtle... I mean, Lucas is not exactly a master of subtlety, but you think this was the 1930s, and the people with stormtroopers were not all the colors of the rainbow? I think that might have been an, an intentional choice. I'm just saying, it's the biggest bombshell to ever hit the Star Wars universe. Um, but no, you should check it out, and if you let's be honest, you're listening to our show, you've checked it out. Um... We it, really cool lightsaber scene, just in the fact that evidently it has a built-in booby trap to burn your hand off if you don't know that it's there, uh, <laughs> and a very confusing shot of the Millennium Falcon that definitely, to me at least, said, "By the way, if you didn't know this already, this is a J.J. Abrams movie." 
Well, there was the shot as well of the X-Wings flying yeah. in atmosphere, too. That was awesome. That was really awesome. Yep. And I, I looked at that, and I'm like, I wonder if that's Rogue Squadron. Oh, it could be. I could wonder be. if Wedge, ooh, is Wedge back? Uh, no. <laughs> About 60 years after Wedge. 30 years. 30 years. Sorry. 30 years. Well, yeah, but, but you've, got, you've got Harrison and you've got... Like, no, um, I, the actor's name's escaping me, but I remember seeing something a while ago that he is not in episode seven. Wait, wait, what is it? Dennis Lawson, I think? It, Dennis Lawson. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't he like Obi... He's Ewan he McGregor's uncle. He is Ewan McGregor's yeah. uncle. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, the reason why that final scene with the Millennium Falcon, as awesome as it was, it was pants-crappingly awesome, but at the same time, suddenly I felt, wait... No, no, this is not Star Wars like I'm used to. And I mean that in the best possible way. But if you go back and look at a lot of the different Star Wars, and Star Trek is also guilty of this. In fact, a lot of the easy-to-produce sci-fi space stuff is very... uh, There isn't a whole lot of moving of the camera. It's safe cinematography. Yeah, Yeah, it's very safe. I mean, That ties back to when they were... When they were models, yeah. you know, 20 yeah. years ago. And so the people who are shooting now with CG, their mentality is still coming. You know, they, they learned on models. So that's mm-hmm. how they think about shots. That's how they put them together. Yeah. yeah. But, but the very first trench run had, at the time, the most dynamic camera movement. When you first see, see from that first person point of view, going in over the surface of the Death Star, and then suddenly you're dipping into the trench, and the camera's kind of weaving with you. And I'm moving, I'm making hand motions here, which is great for radio. Yep. But, I mean, you guys know, you can see it in your mind, what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But that was the most dynamic it got until, what, Serenity? Oh, outside mm-hmm. of the Star Wars universe. Uh, I was thinking the uh, the speed the speeders on uh, well on the planet of Endor. No, the, yeah, there, there was also another movie about six years later, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, you know, you had the, there was the great shot of uh, the Millennium Falcon moving around the medical frigate, yeah. and the Yo, camera right. follows it under. Right. Yeah, there there were quite a few of them, but, but even but you are that, right. even m- much of that battle, the Battle of Endor, much of that battle was still the. We're all on the same level field. We're all here engaging at the exact same part. And by the way, the camera is at the exact same level as well. Even when they go into the Death Star on that one. But no, you're right. Because during that scene, when you see all the different ships flying around in and around the capital ships, that was a pretty cool shot as well. But no, so this is the first time I've seen it in the Star Wars universe anyway, where wild camera movement, really exciting cinematography... And and it's also, I mean, it's it's teaser creation 101. You know, you start out, really about the first 80% of the trailer is essentially static shots. You have the shot of the, the actors, the stormtrooper, a couple shots of the X-Wings, some random woman riding some kind of speeder bike type thing, some storm, you know, you have a bunch of just sort of, oh, hey, cool, establishing shots. And then you've got your one, holy crap, holy crap, I must see this on IMAX kind of shot which is the pirouetting shot of the Millennium Falcon over what I assume to be the Tatooine Desert fighting a couple of TIE fighters. And if those words being combined together doesn't make you happy happy, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. You're a little dead inside. You are a tiny bit dead inside, and you need professional help. Now, there are a lot of desert shots in this particular teaser trailer, and we're just assuming that it's Tatooine. This is true. What if it's not? What if it's like some planet that nobody's ever heard of and they're just completely expanding the star wars universe as we know it and throwing out all sorts of new well, locations that would be awesome let, yeah 
That's how they that would be them. awesome. But let's remind people too that they basically tossed out the entire expanded universe. True. They well, threw it out. They didn't toss it out. They just said that it's not canon. Yeah, it's no longer canon. Everything that was canon is now no longer canon. Um, the courtship of Princess Leia gone. The Thrawn trilogy gone. Yeah. The New Jedi Order gone. The, uh, those honor. I, I think I probably disagree with you. I'm going to say I, I'd put a good bit of money down on the fact that yes, that's Tatooine. Oh, I think it is simply because of I, I talked about it. Excuse me on uh, this past week's show and a couple other times about how safe they're playing it with Star Wars Episode Seven. Everything from the choice of J.J. Abrams as a director, the bringing back the, the big three actors from the original trilogy, um, even the name, The Force Awakens. It's a fairly safe trailer, or fairly safe name. So all they're doing with Episode 7 is they need to establish the world again, because they got a lot of movies planned for this world. They've got to make Star Wars cool again. They don't need a home run, but they need a really solid double. You know, they so if you see a desert planet, it's Tatooine. If you see an ice planet, I'm gonna bet a week's paycheck it's Hoth. Yeah, I don't. If there's a bad guy, you. it's the Empire. If there, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, no, that, yeah they, that, that's not an important subtle. thing to distinguish there because in in the expanded universe, there were a lot of other threats that came in after the Empire. Oh, yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but they some can't of the shops afford to do that. Well, and there've been I, I've seen people questioning online about whether or not. The, the people shown in Stormtrooper costumes are uh, Stormtroopers of the Empire. You know, are they just repurposing armor, perhaps? Um, are they... Or are they probably just Stormtroopers? I'm going to bet they're probably Stormtroopers, because they're great to get shot. Um, but I, I could not be happier with this first teaser. I mean, I, I watched it two or three times today with my mouth literally hanging open. Um, it established... What the a feel of the movie more than anything? I went back and watched the first teaser trailer for Episode One, and while I strongly defend Episode One as a you know C plus B minus movie, a lot of the things that were gonna go bad are in the teaser. If you if you watch that teaser, there's the stuff about Anakin as a little kid. There's Natalie Portman's atrocious accent, some kind of dodgy CGI, a really bad Yoda. Most of people's complaints are front and center in the teaser, so we kind of should have seen it coming. Whereas if you watch this, I don't have a clue what the story is. I don't know but you're the context. excited for it. I am damn excited for it, and that's what a teaser should do. Mm-hmm. It should get me really, really excited, and then sometime, I'm guessing with Avengers 2, we're going to see a two-and-a-half-minute trailer. That's, that's my guess. Uh, next summer, we'll see the full trailer, and then next... December. That was actually something else I found interesting. Uh, they've announced the release date as December 15th. But if you watch the trailer, it just said December of 2015. So I'm guessing that release date's going to change. They'll probably bump it up a couple days. But I- I'm excited. I'm sold. I'm there. I was going to be there first day anyway, but now I'm really happy. Yeah, I'm yeah, in the same boat. I, I am as well, and I'd like to leave this. We we have other headlines we need to get to here, but I'd like to leave it with these final words. Is and this is to all the haters out there. Uh, when Phantom Menace first came out, you loved it then too. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> the, the hate against Phantom Menace didn't really start in earnest until about the time Episode Three came around. Mm, I disagree. I, I think, completely disagree with you. On that. I think really? the Phantom Menace oh, was totally like wrong. eating a eating a lot of 
Snickers bars or something. It's really good while you're doing it. You get that awesome sugar high, and about 30 minutes later, you're thinking to yourself, crap, what have I just done? <laughs> when that's, you realize that what well, you just watched wasn't Star Wars. <laughs> yes, that, that's how that's how the Phantom Menace, Phantom Menace was. I saw it three times in the theater, and then it started to sink in. Hold on a second. There's a lot of problems with this, and I'm you guys know me. I'm the biggest Star Wars nerd out there, and so... Yeah, I I think that it set in a lot faster, Zook, than well, episode three. Yeah, it completely did. You're yeah, not right on that one. I, I have a slightly different analogy I'll use and see if, uh, if this one works. My analogy for episode one, episode one is the Olive Garden. Imagine you're going out for dinner and somebody says, I'm going to take you to a really nice Italian meal. You're thinking, hey, cool, we're going to go to Mario Batali's new place. We're going to get, you know, this really authentic, rustic, Tuscan kind of feel. And then they take you to the Olive Garden. <laughs> and they've got everything a little too cheesy. It always happens to have Frank Sinatra playing over the PA. The food is good. I, I like the Olive Garden. And if that's what you're expecting, then it's okay. But if you go and expecting, a, you know, a four-course meal of epic proportions, you're just not going to get it. So, yeah. the expectation game, no one was going to ever like episode one. My my real takeaway from some of the hate I've seen today, people complaining about the lightsaber, people complaining about a black stormtrooper, you know, move on. Really, if, if you see this and it doesn't fill you with some optimism, nothing will. You're not a Star Wars fan anymore, sorry, and just move on. So, yeah. I agree. That's That's my thing. Is but that your now, professional opinion? That is my professional opinion. You need to move on. You need to climb down off that bridge, climb down off the cross, use the wood to build a bridge, and get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to remind people that uh, Dr. Squishy is actually a trained therapist. I, I, am not a do- I am not a doctorate, but I do have a master's in clinical psychology, and I do work as a therapist in my day job. But yeah, it's official diagnosis. Diagnosis. Get over the Star Wars hate. That's yeah, more of a treatment plan, really. But <laughs> all right. uh, moving into some other kinds of hate, um, let's talk about Samsung. Yes, we are still a tech show, but, but hey, let's be honest. That's an awesome teaser. And to um, be fair, Zook, we we do have to give you some credit. The hate. There is a BlackBerry story coming later because it's the Stolen Droids podcast. There's a BlackBerry story. <laughs> I, I give you some credit for not going directly from the word hate to BlackBerry. So good for you. You've made some real progress this week. Thank you. Thank you. I, I've I've been <laughs> listening to the tapes. Um, so Samsung has released their numbers from this year so far, and uh, it wasn't just our observations, or rather everyone's observations. No, no, we were right. The S5 has not sold, at least not nearly as much as they were expecting. And this has kind of helped us put into perspective some very confusing uh, bits of news coming out of the Samsung camp. Uh, They're talking about restructuring. They're talking about lowering the amount of phones they create. They're talking about getting entirely new uh, executives in there. And this is despite the fact that Samsung runs like 90% of all devices on Earth. Well, as it turns out, the S5 sold 40% fewer units than expected. That's not a small number. No, it's huge. (laughs) Now, there were a lot of issues with the S4. How much of this do you think is attributed to people seeing that there were problems with the S4, saying, there were problems with the S4, I'm not going to touch the S5? I, I think a lot of it had to do with that. Um, S3 was a solid device. Um, S4 was promised to be even better, and and they failed to deliver. 
fortunately for me, I, I had an S4 and I didn't experience any of those problems. But I think eighty percent of the people that had it did, and so and I, a lot of those people switched to other devices after that. So I th- I think kind of what's happened here, and I should clarify that it does say that in the U.S. that the G- that the S5 was sold more than the S4, but in the no, rest of the world it was less. It was still forty percent less. I have a, less I have a question as. Far and away, the the most the the least technologically inclined of of anyone affiliated with this site service program. How much of that could have to do with a lack of brand loyalty to a Samsung brand? That's a and very good point. Because yes. I I have an iPhone and I happily have an iPhone, and a lot of the people who buy the next iPhone buy it because it's the next iPhone. They're loyal to the brand. What what has Samsung done to really sell the brand of the the Samsung of the S whatever range? Well, well that's a very loaded question, and I'm gonna I, I see everyone's hands going up because everyone <laughs> wants to talk about that. We've talked about it in episodes past that Samsung likes to brand the Galaxy name. The Galaxy brand is paramount. You're not buying an Android; you're buying a Galaxy, and this is the Galaxy S5, and this is the Galaxy whatever, and this is. It's a good name, no question. It's oh, certainly yeah. better than marketing naming wise, it after some kind of silly candy or whatever. Yeah, no, it's it's a great marketing ploy and whatnot. But I I personally believe that I think their hubris grew a little too much when they said the Galaxy line doesn't need Android. When they started talking about we're moving to Tizen. Our next phone will be Tizen. We don't need Android anymore. People started to go, well, no, no, wait, because the entire reason we're buying a Galaxy is because it's an Android phone. Yeah, yes mm-hmm. and no. I, I'm going to go one one step further, and 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 I'm going to th- say that their demise was when they started making their their watches, which were great. They had the Galaxy Gear, uh, yeah, the Galaxy Gear and the Galaxy Gear Fit. Um, and they were they were awesome. They, they were kind of, uh, I think they were the first real smartwatches to hit the market that people grabbed onto. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, the only problem was is that you had to have a Galaxy device to pair with it, uh, or it was useless. Um, it was good on them that they got it out so early and ahead of the rest of the uh, rest of the game. But unfortunately, it was that closed. Um, that closed mentality that they had with it. And shortly after that, Android Wear came out, um, mm-hmm. and everyone with their Android Wear watches, and I believe that's what killed, um, well, not killed, but really weakened the Galaxy line. It really mm-hmm. took the wind out of the Galaxy Gear's sails. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, because that's something I've wondered about a lot. You know, we, we've talked about on the show, you've talked on the show, and I've had conversations with you about the difference between Android devices and Apple devices, and just how important selling the brand is. I mean, every time I fly, you do that really pompous walk of shame through first class, and you see all the people in comfortable chairs, and they already have drinks and whatnot. And when I look at the 10 or 12 people who are sitting in first class, I almost always see people with iPhones and Bose headsets. And that one guy with the Blackberries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got the guy with the Blackberry, but he also has an iPhone. You know, the, the Blackberry is the one his work makes him use. But anyway, so... Samsung, I, I could potentially see this being where this problem has come from, is that they're a technology company that happens to make phones, whereas something like Apple has become really almost a phone company, a, a phone and tablet company. They, you know, they, they're more focused on what they do. And so I wonder if 
some of the problems with the S5 range came from the fact that Samsung does so many things. I mean, your toaster well, could have been made by Samsung. It's Zana, you were going to say something? Yeah, I think that the problem with Samsung, and it kind of goes along a little bit with what you said, but when the S3 was out, the S3 was a perfect phone, the Galaxy S3. Okay. I have, I don't know that I've had a phone up until my Nexus 5 that was better or even seen a phone that was better. And they came out with the S4 and said, okay, the S3 had all this. We're going to pack all this other stuff into the S4 because we're that good. And it wasn't that good. There, I, yeah. I think that they tried to put too much. They tried to focus too much on the features and not the actual functionality of the device. And okay. I think that kind of tripped them up. It, like you were saying, Zook, they kind of bought into their own hype, and th- they just couldn't deliver. <laughs> Check this out. You can scroll down this web page using your eyes. That's great. But can I make a call without it dropping? Because <laughs> that's slightly more useful to me. Yes. I also believe that there was another nail in their coffin and that is okay well people didn't really love the s4 that's okay because you know they'll just be upgrading straight from an s3 to an s5 then you know they're probably on their two-year contract you know they'll they'll just come back for the s5 not realizing htc has come out with the uh, the m8 the htc1 m8 right uh lg came out with the g2 and then g3 which are both solid phones you had the one plus one which is an incredible phone mm-hmm Suddenly, all the competitors bridged the gap. They they made leaps and bounds, and suddenly the S5 was no longer the clear-cut winner. Yeah, the S, the people who were getting rid of their S3s, it may have been time to upgrade, but the S5 was no longer the only viable upgrade path. Yeah. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people went to the cheaper phones that could do more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in the end, this uh, this entire fiasco and i use that term lightly only because at the moment my vocabulary has failed me uh i'm sure there's a better word but it they have let their shareholders know that the third quarter 2014 profits are expected to drop by 60 percent ouch that's not good that's um that's a big number um also, let's move into some other mobile phone news. Uh, the Nexus 6, okay, made by Motorola. It launched just recently. Nice phone. Really nice phone. Um, it has launched on all major carriers, which is a kind of a first for a Nexus. It has some issues with AT&T. Namely, AT&T has put their logo all over it, which is, I thought, a no-no for a Nexus device. Uh, the AT&T logo is even in the bootloader. Oh, and by the way, you have a 50-50 chance of your AT&T Nexus 6 not working at all. Those now, aren't good odds. <laughs> now, that, I find that interesting to me because the whole point of the Nexus is it's a pure Android experience. It doesn't have all of the carrier bloatware. It doesn't have all of the carrier uh, skinning and adding on, whatever they may do. And so that's interesting because that tells me right there it's an issue with actual Android 5.0 or AT&T is do, doing something that's screwing stuff up. 
Yes and no. In this case, AT&T did add something to the bootloader for their logo, uh, which a lot of uh, industrious modders online have already found a way around. So if you do have an AT&T Nexus 6, there are many different tutorials online that are very easy to find to get rid of that logo. As for the firmware itself, however, Motorola has stepped up and said that that is their fault, and they apologized, and they are recalling pretty much all of AT&T's Nexus 6 stock and replacing it. So in this case, it wasn't AT&T who did it, hmm. which is too bad because it's usually such an easy thing to blame AT&T for something. It really it makes really our jobs easy. easier. It really is easy. Now, why is it only affecting AT&T and not the other carriers? Does it have to do with AT&T's network? I, you know, honestly, they're say. not saying. Hmm. That, that's very interesting to me. It could have been something, I mean, Schmidty as a developer will attest to this, it could have been something as simple as, and I would have expected this to be cotton testing, but, okay, here's the Nexus 6 firmware ROM, okay, here's stock, and it's great, and it gets shipped out to all the other carriers, but AT&T wants something added to it, and it could have just simply been a PNG file for their logo, and whoever did it added one extra little setting wrong or something, something entirely unrelated to the modifications ATT wanted. <laughs> yeah, it, it could have been uh, they modified the permissions to a system file incorrectly and it screwed up the entire firmware. It could have been something minor, but if it was, I really would have expected it to be caught in testing. You would think. <laughs> Not real great there, Motorola. Um, okay, so yeah, let's talk about BlackBerry. This is hilarious. And I don't just say that because I hate BlackBerry. It really is kind of funny. They are currently running a promotion that if you have an iPhone 4S or above and you get rid of it to get a BlackBerry, BlackBerry will give you in the U.S. up to $550. If you're in Canada, they'll give you up to $600. Which, I don't know, maybe you could take that money and use it to buy a new phone because you're sure not keeping the blackberry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm thinking that that might be enough money for me to then actually break my contract and go back and get a real phone check it out i bought a blackberry so i could buy an iphone 6 (laughs) yeah i made 50 bucks on the deal (laughs) it's like you know i'll i'll sometimes buy video games over black friday weekend that i can then sell back to gamestop at a profit so that's an odd move by blackberry I well, it's BlackBerry, so it doesn't surprise me. They do odd moves all the time. I think the oddest thing about this, and I don't have an answer, so if one of you guys can chip type in here, I'd appreciate it. Why are they specifically targeting iPhones? Because they still think iPhones are relevant. I don't know. Is that how far behind BlackBerry is? Well, they're relevant. Are they? Do they view it as an easier target? Probably. I I think I I can also see it. I think that they think that they're going after the bigger market share. I don't think they're doing their homework. Well, but I also think it ties into something I kind of talked about earlier is there, there's a certain uh, prestige. I want to say that sounds really pompous to getting iPhone users. It's like saying that you're getting a certain percentage of Vanity Fair readers. You know, it, it puts your device, your thing at a different level. Because you got a certain type of audience, um, so I can it, see it ma- that it makes you know because it's like okay you know switch from an Android device. Well, which one? There's like two hundred and seventy-eight thousand Android devices. 
You know, it's you, you say trade in your iPhone. Okay, everybody knows what an iPhone is. There's three of them. So it, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint. It makes some sense from a just a logistics standpoint. Yeah, part of me also kind of wonders if this might be personal. Because when BlackBerry really started losing market share in the enterprise, it was to the iPhone first. Hmm. A lot of the enterprise people, a lot of the top-level executives, the C-levels, the CEO, CIO, the COO, they all started dropping their BlackBerry and getting iPhones. Mm-hmm. So it's like five years too late, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I, they should have done but, this but they started doing that because back in the day... Back in the day, Android didn't support enterprise-level security. So I wonder if this is almost them trying to get that demographic back. Hey, look, I know you got rid of us, but look, now here's the passport. Don't you yeah. want this really weird-looking square phone? We'll freaking pay you to take it. <laughs> I, I think that's also a good point about how many... you know The BlackBerry was the, the bog-standard company phone for so many years. And you're right, in the last couple, iPhones have taken up a bigger part of that market. So that's it's a big group to get back into. You know, this kind of reminds me of when BlackBerry started paying Android developers. If you put an app in our market, we will give you a, what was it, a playbook. It was a playbook. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 15 minutes they, of work and I got a playbook. I sold it for $300. Yeah, I mean, they're desperate. <laughs> They're, they're straight up desperate, and this just smacks of desperation to me. Yeah. If I remember You're correctly, Zonor, your, your BlackBerry app never got working, did it? it no, it worked. didn't. It, there, there were too many problems trying to develop for BlackBerry. <laughs> I, I couldn't get anything to compile properly, which, yeah, whatever. Uh, just so people at home know, I mean, uh, you've listened to me for a few years now, I'm assuming, and you know that I'm a tech person. I'm not the coder of the group. I can't make Hello World work in any language other than straight English. And sometimes I typo that. And I got a BlackBerry <laughs> app to work. Kind of. I got a BlackBerry app to publish. I don't know if it actually works, but it got me a free playbook. Well, it was full of one-star reviews, so I don't think it actually did work, but it did publish. Much excite. (laughs) (laughs) Much excite. So, wow. Continue. (laughs) This was the app I've been waiting for. (laughs) Okay. um, Let's keep talking about Android, because who doesn't love hearing about that? This one is interesting. All those Android Wear devices, of which I'm drooling over a couple, even though I'm not really sure how much I'd use it. The LG G Watch R just looks freaking gorgeous to me. And it could look even more gorgeous with the right watch face. Turns out there's an entire industry of high-end watch faces for Android Wear devices that are coming down the pipe. And when I say high-end, we're talking $15,000 Rolexes. For 99 cents. For 99 cents, you could have the watch face. Well, that's dumb sure it's just a picture right it's like putting a background picture on your computer or your phone 99 cents is nothing and it's just pixels well it's not just pixels to the watch manufacturers see a lot of them have copyrighted or trademarked that design yeah and they're coming after the developers now some of these watch faces i i i never expected them to be this complex there's one of them that actually has moving gears like it's a skeleton face you can actually see through the face and see the moving gears i mean some of them are really well done 
And admittedly, if I have something as gaudy as a Moto 360 watch on my wrist, I'm going to put a really cool watch face on it. Especially if it's only 99 cents. <laughs> hey, look, sweetie, it's way cheaper than the $26,000 Peugeot it's based off of. Trust me, this was worth it. Yeah. Well, you know, and if these watch manufacturers um, know what, what's good for them, instead of just these lawsuits, which, which they have every right to do... Um, I would expect Rolex uh, and uh, Armani, things like that, to to put their watch faces up on the store. Yeah, don't make them cheap. They can make them $100 or $300 or whatever they want, but at least make them available, you know? I, I completely disagree. I don't think that's going to happen. And again, it's because of the cool factor. If they could attach it to a, a cooler device, something that would actually help to build and increase their brand, they'd mm-hmm. do it. You know, they don't want it. Rolex doesn't do Black Friday sales. Right. They don't have to. You're not yeah, they don't have to and they don't want to. You know, you're not gonna find an Armani doorbuster deal. They want their product to be expensive and exclusive. You know, it protects the brand. And I get that for the super high ends, but I have a Bulova and I have a Citizen. I like watches. I simply can't afford super expensive ones. You know, there's like three different, actually, there's like four different levels of watch. There's the mm. kind you buy your kid because you know they're going to leave it in the washing machine and destroy it. There's the kind you take to the gym or you wear every day to work. Then there's like the entry level nice watch, typically 200 to $500. That's the area I usually sit in because... I'm middle class. And then there's everything. There's like a huge jump between that and the next one is like $7,000. Yeah. And it just goes up from there. And I, and you're right. The really high-end ones are probably never going to do this. But I would expect that middling range to do this. I would expect Disney to have a Mickey Mouse, an authorized Mickey Mouse one for like $1.99. Ooh, that would be awesome with the moving hands. I yeah, could see that. Yeah. And see, I would like my Bulova face on a G-Watch. I'd like my Citizen watch face on there. I already own the actual watch. Why shouldn't I be able to have that design on my Android Wear watch? That's a good point. C- consider it my digital backup copy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome if the watch manufacturers, when you purchased the actual watch gave you like an APK for your for your Android Wear device. Well, kind of like with Blu-rays when you go buy the disc, you also get the free digital download. Yeah, you, right, you mentioned right until buy, Citizen takes their server offline and my watch craps out. Yeah. <laughs> buy the, I also buy the wouldn't Disney be surprised and get the free digital download. <laughs> yeah. I I also would not be surprised if part of this is a generational thing. You know, the the people who are the the movers and shakers with Bulova or Citizen or whoever are probably not the kind of people who think that a, a smart watch is a cool thing. You know, cool isn't something they're really that concerned with uh, as far as being, you know, way out ahead of the curve. You know, they're, they're still making uh, essentially a you know, couple century old device. Yeah. Um, so the idea of drastically changing their business model is probably something that just hasn't really occurred to them. I, I, can, and, I can imagine that this entire issue is incredibly perverse to them. And I say this as someone, I mean, I don't like fashion accessories. I'm very simplistic that way, but I love watches. Watches are entirely obsolete. Watches are entirely without merit. 
I can do a million different things to find out what time it is that is more effective than wearing a weighted piece of metal on my wrist all the time. I wear one because I can appreciate the incredible craftsmanship it took to put together a precision instrument. It's not digital. There's no microchip or, you know, it's mine doesn't even have a battery in it. Okay. And that is what watchmakers work with. It took them years to perfect this. It took them actual crafting these tiny little pieces and assembling it by hand because machines can't do it. And when you see some of the things that they do, it is breathtaking if that's your sort of thing. Versus, oh, hey, by the way, I threw this JPEG together in Photoshop. Took me 15 minutes. Here you go. (laughs) I can imagine that this is just like they're sitting back in there. three hundred thousand dollar chair just totally aghast that this has even happened yeah it's the difference between the craftsman who puts together a ferrari by hand and the robot that builds a kia you know they're just operating on a different plane Mm -hmm. um let's talk about operating on a different plane the faa (laughs) check that out i couldn't have written that that was good if i no sausage there. Um, they put together a list of guidelines for operating drones. Now, um, we've seen it in headlines happening a lot. Drones over stadiums. Drones are happening in firework displays. Drones happening too close to airports. Um, the easier it is to operate them, the more we're going to see them. Squishy, you got to play with one when we were at CES. Uh, DJI had their Phantom Two; they were just launching. And yep. since, yeah, since you played with it, and it was it was pretty easy to fly, if I remember. I, yeah, I'm I'm all thumbs, and I managed it quick. Yeah, I mean, since we first got that first uh, look at it, they uh, everything's done by DJI. DJI. That exact drone is in the news everywhere. So the FAA has put together some guidelines. Uh, saying that anything less than 55 pounds would be um, under this jurisdiction. You're limited to daytime hours. Drones have to remain below 400 feet and within sight of the operator. Within sight of the operator itself does not mean through telepresence. So you can't have a camera on the drone and a video screen on your remote and consider it good. You have to be able to see it. You have to... uh, Commercial uh, drone operators must be certified pilots. Uh, commercial drones are like a cameraman. You know, you see those drones now that carry the actual commercial camera gear for different shots. You have to be a certified pilot to do that now. So I think those are actually means, UFOs. This also means Amazon delivery drones. They need to hire actual pilots to do do that now so that's oh out. come on <laughs> when amazon starts doing that they're just going to use like those uh uav operators that the air force uses they're just going <laughs> to fire in your amazon shipment on a hellfire <laughs> missile target acquired let's <laughs> take out the target no no deliver <laughs> switch gear switch ammo switch ammo they ordered a t-shirt they do that on the side like while they're manning a, an actual phantom <laughs> They'll be hey, killing the, people by t-shirt cannons. If it means that the Air Force is taking less tax dollars, I'm all for it. Domestically, a drone strike means you just got your prime shipment a little bit faster. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, a lot of drone operators are not happy about this. But again, like we said in last week's episode, sometimes a little bit of regulation can prevent a lot of headaches. And I think this is one of those cases. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of, some of my favorite drone videos are of fireworks. Now, tell me that you can get good shots of fireworks during the day. 
you can't. <laughs> well, so kind of in that, that case, way. you'd have to have a professional drone operator yeah. who would be who would have the pilot license, and that's the difference. They're saying, okay, you can do it, but you need a pilot license. It's the amateurs who don't know what they're doing who really yeah. need to be during daytime hours. I wonder if they're ever going to come out with a mid-level license, like you know the the oh, pro- probably pro drone operator it's you know still below a pilot license but well probably i mean they do that with with model rockets yeah if you're a hobbyist who works with model rockets it's the same thing i can go buy one from a from a toy store put it together with my kids and go out and launch it no problems i have no regulations but i'm not the guy who's building an actual liquid fueled rocket that can actually take down aircraft yeah <laughs> you know those people need licenses and permits yeah, well, and there's regulations on those. You can't have more than two stages. You can't be taller than six feet. You can't have a. Di- I mean, like, there's still regulations on model rockets too. So yeah, cannot speak with a Russian accent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, yeah, okay. We just used up all of our good segues. So let's go into something else. <laughs> uh, this one Sausage. is really weird. This one is really really weird. Um, and I'm glad that we're recording on Friday instead of on Thursday, like we normally do. Not just because it was Thanksgiving, but because the EU, uh, the EU Parliament wants to break up Google. They want, and, and here's where it gets really confusing. They're saying that Google has become too big. It's a monopoly. It has its hands in too many pies. Things are going crazy with it, and they don't like it. Uh, remember that as far as business goes, the U.S. is still like one of the most lenient places to do business in terms of uh, antitrust and monopolies. Even though we have laws on the books that prevent them, uh, we don't enforce them to nearly the same degree as European or Asian countries. Yeah, Europe, were, they were... They're the ones that forced Microsoft to ship Windows without Internet Explorer or with the option to install other exp- browsers just yeah. because of all the regulations. Well, now, here's the interesting thing, and this, again, is confusing to me. I almost wanted to reach out to an international li- uh, business lawyer because can a foreign body force a U.S. company to break up? They well, as can. It turns out, <laughs> yeah. As, as it sorry. turns out, in this case, No. Because the EU Parliament isn't even the EU Commission. It's the EU Commission who can change how Google does business over there. And, they, and the EU Commission doesn't even have to listen to Parliament. So again, this, this, this crosses a lot of lines that I'm not really well versed on. But it seems that they have put forth a proposal, and the proposal passed today, by the way. That's why I said I'm glad that we were recording later. It passed. But the commission doesn't have to listen to the to the proposal. Now, uh, I looked a bit into this, and in case you're wondering, if for whatever reason the commission does adopt it and say, okay, Google, you can't do this anymore, what they'll do is, is Google will spin off operations in certain things. So Google will just have the search engine, okay? But in and in the U.S., Google also operates maps and ads and email and whatever and whatever. But in Europe and in other areas, they're not allowed to do maps or ads. That'll be done by another company, which Google owns, but Google will be doing business against. A subsidiary. A subsidiary, right. They'll spin off another company who does business only in that region. Which still, I, I don't understand how subsidiaries could pass as 
you know, not being a monopoly. But if they can get away with it, then great. So. But they do all the time, and they do yeah. here too. It's the weirdest thing. So has the EU confused Google for Microsoft? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love this because I, I in the show notes I link to a CNET uh, article, right? And it's written by uh, Richard uh, Nevia, and. On on Twitter, he goes on to ask, you know, could be could the EU be considering this? This sets a dangerous precedent, doesn't it? And I had to tweet him back, going, "Uh, no, dude. The dangerous precedent was sent twenty years ago when the EU did this to Microsoft." Yeah, has everyone forgotten that? Well, and fortunately for us, I mean, even if this does pass in uh, in in Europe, it still doesn't. It's still not going to do anything um, with with any adverse effects. We're still going to have the Google that we know. Yeah, some things might be branded differently, but it's still going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, will it even be branded differently here in the U.S.? Will, will this even affect us at all? Uh, it point. might. We don't know. It might be that Google ends up finding that people here in the U.S. too like the idea that maybe Google isn't handling their email and their maps and their ads, even though they are. Um, they like the idea of having another name. Uh, little known fact... Um, Bark's root beer, A&W root beer, and Dad's root beer are all made by Cadbury Schweppes. They're all made by one company. The three biggest root beer names in the U.S. are all made by one company. Does that mean that Cadbury Schweppes has a monopoly on the root beer in the U.S.? No, because it's three different brands. I don't understand how that makes any sense, but somehow it does. And people will say, well, I like A&W. I think the other ones are crap, not knowing that they're the same company. Different we all know Barks is the best. Shut up, dude. A&W, Alpha, Alpha and Omega. It's God's root beer. <laughs> <laughs> Barks has bite, though. So, <laughs> We want to hear it from everyone. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. What's your favorite root beer? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And if, if it's not A&W, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Sony got hacked, and for once, it's not going to affect your PlayStation. Wow, we haven't had a Sony hacking news in almost a year. I know, it's weird. Uh, Sony Pictures got hacked and doxxed. Um, if you remember our discussion of Gamergate, docs is where t- people find out all your information and publish it online. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. They say they've been hacked by the GOP. Uh, that Republican Party is just going nuts. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's the the Guardians, Guardians of Peace, which I don't think actually means Guardians of Peace. You say peace, I think you mean the other thing, uh, to quote the Avengers. <laughs> um, they're not really sure what their motives are. They say, unless you bow to our demands, uh, we will continue to our requests are met. But they don't say what the requests are. I don't know. That kind of sounds like the other GOP, too. <laughs> do they also want a movie they're mildly irrational unclear goals but don't want you to do anything whatever that thing is guys we may have hacked the wrong sony <laughs> <laughs> yeah we wanted sony the arms manufacturer no um there's a picture and it's here on this uh, geek.com article uh it looks straight out of a bad video game from the 90s. Yeah, uh, we've already warned you, and this is just the beginning. This is just a beginning. It's not even the beginning, it's a beginning. Um, <laughs> one, no, they didn't get warned. Uh, we continue till our request be met. Two, what requests? 
We've obtained all your internal data, including your secrets and top secrets. If you don't obey us, we'll release data shown below to the world. Um, if they're showing links with like actual downloads, aren't they releasing it to the world? So what? We're getting another three Spider-Man movies. I mean, what top secret data could Sony Pictures have that we really care about? Well, when when they talk about doxing, though, I think these are this is personal information of people that work at Sony. So names, addresses, phone numbers. That's kind of yeah. I'm, I'm just going to guess. I think this is actually just a viral marketing scheme for the next Call of Duty game. <laughs> yeah. Though, frankly, now that I'm thinking about it, it could actually you, you might not be far off on the Spider-Man idea. Uh, I mean, it's not like they could make a worse Spider-Man movie than they already have. So <laughs> maybe that's a request: stop making Spider-Man movies. <laughs> we we know that Doctor Doom is going to be an evil hacker. So, yeah. oh, who's making oh. that one? Uh, it's that's not Universal. Sony. That's it's Universal. Fox. It's Fox. Fox. It's Fox. Yeah, it's Fox. Darn it! Where's that would have been a great. That would have been a great conspiracy. This is actually all just viral marketing for the next. For the next mm-hmm. uh, Fantastic Four, the only way this could have been better is if it had said Doom. Hmm. Maybe the demand is to release Spider-Man over to the Marvel. Hey, I'm all for that. Yeah, did it. In which case, I wish they had done a better job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um. I think we are out of time. We are out of time. Game of Thrones game is coming next week. It's going to be awesome. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Telltale is releasing their Game of Thrones. These are the people who made the recent Monkey Island games, the Back to the Future game. They do a very, very high-quality adventure game, and they've got one coming up for the Game of Thrones world, and all is well. This is awesome. I'm going to be able to have complete full-frontal nudity in my adventure game. It's entirely <laughs> possible. It is Game of Thrones. You know, it, it kind of gives new meaning to the term linear gameplay. Oh. What? <laughs> that it, didn't... It, it, yeah. That, it, that, it, it was... Sorry. Anyway. It was to not meant to, to be extremely dirty, full frontal, dirty, linear, yeah. never mind. Anyway. I'm just going to go hide in shame the end. Uh, Wait, come back. Hold <laughs> on. Done. Oh, okay. <laughs> Into our favorites. Okay, so uh, Epic Rap Battle History. It's I, I realize it's getting a little old here that every week they have a new video, and every week I love it so much I put it as my favorite. This one has good reason, though, because it's uh, animated with Legos. It's all stop action. It's all done in Legos. It is Zeus versus Thor. One thunder god versus another thunder god. And they don't actually try to... It's actually quite interesting because they don't actually go into the movies, right? Thor isn't an Avenger. He is the Norse god of Thor. Well, they reference it a little bit. They reference they re- Natalie Portman and... Just slightly, yeah, when he's burning him. Sorry, um, we're picking apart all of your comments today because you're making these broad generalizations that are wrong. So everyone knows that A and W is the best god of thunder. Okay, um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, whereas the Ghostbusters was a little bit more safe for work. Uh, this one is not. Just a disclaimer there. So enjoy it before your Thanksgiving weekend is over. Um, my favorite uh, is another battle. Uh, this is Batman taking on Darth Vader. Turns out Batman needs to save Superman. And uh, in doing so, comes up against Darth Vader. And uh, the battle is really epic. This is also the uh, plot for Episode 8. Yes, it is. (laughs) So check it out. 
And my favorite is yet another battle. Uh, our friend Whitney Avalon came out with her second Princess Rep battle. Uh, also got, not safe for work. Yes, we've got um, Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars. And the only reason that I'm doing this, I'm not the guy that does the ep- epic rap battles every week, Zook. But it <laughs> is really Whitney good Avalon. This season. It, it is Whitney Avalon, and so you know she's a friend of the show. Thought we got to give her some love, so let's give her some love and, and go check it out. But yeah, it, it's pretty good. Right. And my favorite for the week comes from the guys over at Screen Junkies on YouTube. They do a series called The Honest Trailers. They did one this re- this week for Love Actually, the 2003 romantic dramedy with pretty much every British actor in the world in it. And the trailer does a really good job of sending up the fact that this is a romantic comedy that's got a really dark view of romance in general. So for all the guys who may have been dragged to this movie, I, I went on purpose because I like this kind of movie. It's how I roll. Uh, check it out uh, and uh, see what you think. Excellent. Well, that is our show this week. Uh, again, uh, head on over to the Giving Grinches GoFundMe. We'll have the link in the show notes. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. May the Force be with you. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production. <laughs>